My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Welcome to episode 12 of Blondie's People. We're going to speak to Kate Littler now, who is a yacht worker. Youth offending teams are underrated, understaffed, underfunded. But where do you start? They have such a big impact on our young people's lives um, and they and they definitely make the change. So it's good to have that conversation with a yacht worker, not only who's in the system, but knows how the system works. So sit back, kick back, relax. You know the drill. And it's time to listen to Kate. Okay, so I'm Kendra Houseman, and these interviews are for Blondie's people. People that I respect now, but also would have been good to be there for people like Blondie when she was younger. So I asked the same question, who are you and what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) My name's Kate. Um, I work in a youth offending team in London, and I'm also one half of their podcast. Um, but my day job is working with young people who are known to the criminal justice system. Let's start with the first bit because we are going to speak to your, your other half about birds, but it wouldn't make sense not to touch on that. So how did you become involved in bird? What is bird and how did you become involved? So bird is a podcast. Um, it is about the criminal justice system, its problems and what we can do in terms of looking for solutions and trying to, find light really at the end of the tunnel. Um, Bird started because I used to work in a prison. Um, I live with Nina. I'd come home and kind of tell her the all kinds of madness which went on in the jail. And it was kind of a world which she knew nothing about. Um, Her job is not um, with people, it's doing design. So it was an area which was really unknown for her and we kind of decided that with her kind of skills doing tech and my skills working with people, we could create something really interesting. So Bird was born um, and yeah, it just went from like from strength to strength really, which was amazing. Um, so we had some live events and we were planning to do one this year, but obviously um, COVID didn't let that happen, but hopefully next year or when we can get back to normal, that'd be something we can do. But yeah, we're in our second season now. Yeah. Yeah, it's all going great. I love, you know how I feel about Bird. It was one, it was the first podcast I'd ever done. So I found it really interesting. And I just said before, before we started recording that um, you've never been interviewed before, Kate. So uh, (laughs) tables have turned. Okay, so tell, tell me about how you become involved in Yacht. Like what led you to be there? So, like I said, like I've worked in criminal justice for like my whole career, really. Yeah. 
so kind of after finishing uni I worked in a homeless hostel um, there was lots of issues surrounding the hostel in terms of substance misuse and um, people who had been to jail um, I had a lot of like essentially a lot of issues in the lives yeah. so and kind of straight away I found that it was something that I was really interested in um, and then even more so in relation to people offending so with the hostel like I started to work alongside HMP Manchester or Strangeways yeah. um, and just kind of fell in love really with the world of criminal justice and so I'm originally from Manchester okay. and when I moved to London I started to work at Pentonville and obviously that's quite like um, a famous prison really you know yeah. there was lots of history there's been lots of things in the press about Pentonville um, and it was an interesting experience working there but after a while um, you never really get to see like people doing well you won't always see them at a low point because obviously they're in jail yeah. and I wanted to try and have a more positive experience but still within the same sector so when I left and did some community gang stuff with young people I found a passion really for working with young people it wasn't something I'd ever done before I kind of thought like no this is you know this is where you can really make meaningful change yeah. early in kids lives it's where they need you the most and yeah so I started to work um for the yacht a few years ago and just fell in love with it basically like I've worked in a few different yachts um the yacht that I'm in now I've been at for about eight months now okay so it's a new ch it was a new challenge for me because it's a more um risky borough shall we say you know a lot of a lot of crime a lot of exploitation so it was definitely something which made me kind of think yeah I want to work there because these kids really need someone to advocate for them. The, the reason that you're here apart from that I asked you to be here is because yacht is something that's always been part of um, my life so yacht has always been around me from a kid I'm talking about not just directly to me my friends you know always it wasn't called yacht then but my friends were involved in it if you spiral all the way up to me now yacht is a big part of my life and then you wrote me a blog um explaining what yacht is really like and that blog went mental okay and you spoke about the pain that a lot of you workers carry watching these young people trying to struggle don't you yeah definitely like it's really hard isn't it because there's such a stigma around offending in general and let alone kids that offend people don't really see kind of the backstory to these kids whereas we as workers do you know we are, we are with them for a whole journey yeah. and right right at the beginning when kids come to yacht obviously you do an assessment with them um you might be writing a pre-sentence report for them yeah. so you really get into like the nitty-gritty like super quick so you learn about their trauma their family background the things that they've been through and obviously it puts another spin on what you might read in a paper about a kid going out and committing a robbery or you know another serious offense like yeah we we see these kids as human because they are and mm -hmm. it's really important that people don't just write them off as soon as you know they've committed a crime because essentially like we all make mistakes some more serious than others but it's about actually what we do after those mistakes and how we can help people to have a yacht worker that thinks like you do would be massive for a young person who's going through the, the yacht system and to have somebody who feels like you do, I think, would have a massive impact and hence why you're here because 
there is all these young people going through the system and they probably feel like they're already criminalized their life's over but you're saying no actually let's look past the crime and, and that's really what needs to happen now i speak to a lot of people um, over the last few weeks i think and they think and you might think that we're going to see a rise a spike in county lines exploitation and youth crime what do you think on that as lockdown comes to an end do you think there's going to be a sudden um, rush or do you think your your involvement will come later on I think, to be honest with you, we've continued to see um, kids being involved in that throughout lockdown. Wasn't yes. Yeah, wasn't something which stopped, you know, um, when you're involved in that kind of thing. People who were in control of that don't decide that just because we're in a pandemic that <laughs> that, that stops. And obviously, maybe we've even been even more aware of it because kids are standing out more than ever. You know, if there's no one on the streets, it's quite easy to spot kids hanging around and potentially doing things that they shouldn't be doing because really you're supposed to be in your house yeah so especially in terms of people traveling and stuff we've had kids you know being stopped on trains in cars you know um, and found with a load of drugs so for us it's not been that it's stopped it at all it's even been that maybe we've been more aware of it than ever and it's really highlighted how many kids we've got who are involved in that kind of exploitation for sure I think in terms of more low-level crime, if you're thinking about kind of generic assaults or maybe like burglaries, like those kind of things have reduced because, you know, people, are, people aren't getting into um, like generic fights and things because there's less people about. Yeah. And obviously homes aren't being burgled because of everyone's right. in. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of like the, the dealing aspect, no, that's something which is going to continue. Like the need for drugs is always going to be there whether we're locked down or not. It's so refreshing to hear that because you're hearing, you know, the, the news is covering what they want and people are saying what they want. But everyone I'm speaking to, everyone has said it ain't changed. It's not gone away. Um, but we are going to probably see it more prevalent in, in my school and stuff like that because everyone's been in lockdown. So to hear you say that actually you've seen it not lessen makes me feel better because at least I know that it's not being hidden from the people that it matters to, if that, if that makes sense. You can't say it. How, yeah. how how does your look um, during COVID? How has this affected how you work, how you practice? What what does it look like? It's been hard, you know, because obviously at the start of this COVID period, like we were obviously classed as key workers, so we were, were still required to go to the office. And then yeah. as it kind of the situation spiralled, and you know, um, we got the government advice, we we closed the office. We didn't think it was safe for young people to be coming in. No, because they obviously have to get transport in, um, essentially coming in, you know, coming into contact with other young people and staff yep. as well. Like we, in terms of our risk assessment, it wasn't um, it wasn't required for them to come in at at this stage. For the kids who were more high risk, you know, so we've got kids who are on intensive orders, who you know, when they're on like um, an ISS order, which stands for intensive supervision and surveillance, they're supposed to be having thirty hours a week contact with yacht okay. so obviously those, those kind of things were very difficult for us to manage because well because we can with you with kids who you know are lower risk we can do virtual contacts with them we can call, call them we can do whatsapp mm -hmm. video call and have sessions that way and obviously maybe you do that once or twice a week but for the kids who are required by the courts to have all this contact yeah it, it was a lot more difficult so i think in the end what we did was we decided that a certain number of kids would have home visits 
not where we'd be going into the house, but that we'd see them on the doorstep. Because these kids are vulnerable, and I suppose when you're speaking to them on the phone, a lot of things can be hidden. Like you can't see what they're wearing, you can't see if they look like they've eaten, if they've had a wash, if they've got any physical injuries. So, you know, it's hard, isn't it? Because a lot of things go, goes on in people's houses, and when you've, you've, you're not going to school, things like that, are, are, it's difficult because you want them to be picked up. Yeah. And if the professional involvement is dramatically suddenly reduced, these things can be missed. So it was really important for us to kind of, the, the, the kids we thought, nah, there's risks around them, they're very vulnerable, that people were seeing them on a weekly basis. So we are starting to transition back to the office. Okay. Um, which will be interesting because it's going to be the new normal and everything like that. And I think we, we need to really make sure that obviously us as staff are safeguarded, but most importantly, the kids are safeguarded. Yeah. They're still going to be, like I said, having to come in on public transport and come in face to face with people. So our boss has been in today to try and um, COVID proof the office. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows if that's possible. Um, and just so we won't actually be seeing we'll be seeing kids face to face but we'll be having contact from behind the screen okay so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and what it looks like when it properly rolls yeah. out um but i think for some kids getting back to that sense of structure of having the weekly appointments will be good for them yeah. um so yeah fingers crossed it all goes well and we don't end up getting locked down again Hearing you talking about wanting to see if these kids have eaten, this, that and the other, a lot of people, when I talk to them about yacht or, or I talk about a child involved in yacht, they just think that they come to you once a week, get told off, get told to be good. I don't know what people think, but you, you take part in the whole contextual safeguarding around these children, don't you? Yeah, of course. And like, there's such a stigma around yacht, obviously, like there is with just involvement with children's services anyway. But we... The reason why people work in yacht is because they care about kids. Mm-hmm. You don't work in yacht because you want to see kids punished. No. You know what I mean? Like, so what I always say to kids the first time I ever meet them is that mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not there to punish you. Like you've had your punishment by the courts. My job is to help you. Mm-hmm. So use this mm-hmm. opportunity, to, you know, to, for good. Like use the resources we've got. Like use someone to advocate for you. Use someone to essentially like because a lot of the times what we see is that when kids become involved in yacht you know the professionals maybe at school become aware you know kids can get excluded for things like once they're marked as a troublesome kid or they're involved with certain things you know they're always targeted and pinpointed and like our job is to really make sure that that doesn't happen and that we are safeguarding these kids as well as safeguarding the public obviously yeah but the but these these are the kids like at the end of the day like the children yeah. and like so if you think about your own child and especially like what I mean is we see a lot of kids who are, are looked after by children's services yeah and these kids come through at a, like a, a lot of a higher rate than kids who live with the parents yeah and that's really upsetting to see because if you think about it if you're at home with your mum mm-hmm. and for whatever reason mm-hmm. you actually decide that you have an argument and you're going to smash the TV or you're going to break the window, yeah, yeah. your mum's unlikely to call the police because you're their child and you'll work out your beef. Whereas if you're in a care home or a placement, That's it. A, lot, 
time, the first response is that you will call the police. And kids get criminalised for things which kids who are not in care do not get criminalised for. And it's our job to is to really highlight that, highlight that to the police, highlight that, highlight that to the courts, and make sure that you know these kids are already at a disadvantage. They're in care. Absolutely. So we should be making sure that we're trying to achieve positive outcomes for them, not criminalising them. And I think that you know it's important as a yacht worker to to really like sometimes you know I'm not saying that I all the time love these kids and like we can do no wrong like working with young people is testing and challenging for sure but it's about always trying to come back to you want to achieve the same thing yes you you, the kid the parent the social worker you want this kid to have a good life for them to be safe to be happy and not to commit any more crime so we're all working towards the same goal so Sometimes it takes, we take different routes to get there, but we definitely don't come into this job to send our kids to jail, like, for sure. And I think that's important for people to hear because imagine you're a parent and your child is going through the, for the yacht system. As a parent, you, sometimes there's not any guidance. You don't know what this means for you. And under my own mum, she struggled with every little system I was put through. She didn't know what was coming next so what would be your advice for parents that might be watching this um and their children are going through your like is there anything they can do can they can they speak to the yacht worker and stuff like that yeah of course like it's a really tricky system for parents and a lot of time parents can feel you know a sense of shame that the, ch- the child has come through yacht they can feel like it's professionals kind of nosing around in their lives and that's not something which we'd ever want parents to feel because like i said before we want to work as a team and right at the beginning where you start to work with a young person it's really important that the parent is involved in that process and then they're not shut out parents should be invited to meetings they should be part of an assessment you know we should seek to get parents views on what will help their child what will help them as well you know it's also even though primarily we're there to support the child we're there to support the parent as well like Parents have got a wealth of information that we don't have access to in terms of we don't we don't know what time the kid comes in. We don't know who the kid's friends are. We don't know if people are coming to pick them up like that information you get from parents. And it is so important to have a good relationship with them and that they don't feel pushed out of a or excluded from a service because they're a central figure in the in their child's lives, obviously. And I think for parents who are new to that or they're not having an experience where they feel involved is would be I would say is to say something to the yacht worker and to express how how the yacht can help you and what you would like to do to be involved more. It might be that parents want to know when all the kids' appointments are instead of them being text to the to the child, like they want to be kept in the loop about, you know, if they've missed appointments or things like that might be that they want to be invited to meetings about their child which they've got every right to do so because they're the parent and I think like when you have good relationships with parents it's amazing and like parents can really feel supported and like in the past like I know parents have really said like you know thank you so much like you know they can they can tell when when you're invested in their young in their child and like that makes all the difference I think and I think when you've got parents on board it's only going to add a positive outcome for the young person at the end of the day 
And I think that's really positive to hear because parents are lost sometimes in the system as well, aren't they? Mm. And what you're saying there. Do you see a lot of females come through your through your doors? It, or is it mostly males? Or what does that look like? So it's definitely mostly males. Okay. Um, but we always have young females with yacht as well. Um, probably the current ratio in my yacht is we've probably got 120 kids and maybe 10 to 15 of them are girls. Oh, It's heavily weighted towards um, kids being male. But I think what you see when kids are female is that there's a whole whole, like load of different kind of complexities with girls. Yeah. Um, It's not, it's very rare that girls come through the system and it's the first time that they've been known to any services. And it's usually a result of like, um, you know, a buildup of of a lot of different things. And I think my history is working with men. Like I've, you know, before I come into yacht, really, I'd only ever worked with with males, and I was I was pretty reluctant to be honest with you about working with with young girls. Like, I just it wasn't something which I was keen to do. Yeah, no, isn't it? I just felt like, oh no, I just I work better with men. I don't know why I had that. Um, but then what I found now is that I, I love working with girls and I think you really can form like tight bonds with them. Like initially, you know, they're, they're a lot harder to build that rapport with. You know, I think, you know, girls can be pretty guarded and they kind of look at you and they're trying to suss you out. Of course, like as we just do as females, you know what I mean? But I think once you've built that relationship, that relationship is there to stay. Like, you know, once you've got that trust and they know that you've got their back, you're going to advocate for them, like, it's great. And you can really do, like, proper, meaningful work and, like, really make a difference to, to, to kids. Like, and that's what's really great. And I think that, you know, in my team now, like, when we get a new referral, which is yeah. a young girl and you know, the, the managers can see that there's a whole load of complexities. They always say, I think this one's for you, Kate. So I'm just like, yep, give them all to me because it's like I've just done a 180, basically. And now I'm like, yeah, I love working with girls. So, which is really great. What kind of things can you put in, in support for, for girls? Like, is it is the support different? I mean, if you had a girl like Blondie, if we talk about what that would have looked like, so you would have had quite an angry female and she would have been involved in crime, but been a victim and uh, a perpetrator at the same time, and she would not want to engage. You could just picture her, like, how, yeah. how would you, yeah. So <laughs> if somebody had come to somebody like you, how would you usually handle that? How are you going to start that process of, of building that relationship? I think, like, the start of the process is basically that you are shipping away everything, and you are just getting to, getting to know her. Like, instead of bombarding her with all the assessment and questions which she she's not going to engage in let's put it that way she's going to say yeah no yeah no and it's 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 not going to be meaningful or the truth even you want to take that away and you want to really just get down to who are you as a person and also who am I as a person like you, you want her to be invested in you as well so it's about her getting to know you like where you're from maybe a bit about your background and experiences so she can start to see you as, you know, a human being rather than just a, a professional, which maybe she's had loads of in her life and they've always let her down. 
I think it's about getting trying to get that trust from early yes so if you're saying I'm going to come see you at school I'm going to come see you at home at this time you're there on time you like yes. you're not texting and being like I'm late or something came up like no you are there because that is that's the foundation for everything she needs to believe that when you say you're going to do things little or big that you're going to do them and like you know that process can be a really long one it really can but like eventually as you can you will see her start to reveal bits about herself you know just even tiny little glimmers of things and there and that's when you think yeah okay and you can start to latch onto that and really build into it so whether it's about you know you've seen that she's she's done like a, a nice picture at school in an art class or something as basic as that you can be like, oh you like art you know like we can look at doing some art together or you like photography yeah let's go for a walk and take some pictures like it's about it doesn't always have to be this face-to-face -face, come to the office and you sit down like we can go out we can take that desk pressure away let's go for a coffee literally like let's go to an exhibition like we live in London, so there's a whole heap of things that we can do for free. Like, and obviously, yacht is really underfunded, so you have to be creative in the yeah. things that you're going to do as well. And it's also about not just kind of being interested when it suits. It's like, if it's a birthday, send her a card. Send her a happy birthday text. Send her a text in the week asking how she's doing. It doesn't have to be related to your appointment. It's all about that rapport and I think once you've got that then the other stuff will come it doesn't have to be that you're trying to rush through a checklist of okay I know that you've been a victim of CSE so first session let's do healthy relationships like it's going to be too much like once you've got that rapport with someone then then the real work can begin Do you know what I mean Absolutely. like it's it's hard it, it is hard because sometimes you can feel like oh this is taking a really long time yeah. people aren't opening up and you know especially when there's a lot of risk like you want to try and protect kids as well but I, what I would say is just invest that time really invest at the beginning because that is just going to get the best results for everyone and I think that especially when it's it's sensitive you know girls have been through experiences that boys haven't and like sometimes especially having a female worker can can be more beneficial for that they could be feel safer speaking to a female and maybe you know more comfortable speaking about sexual experiences or things that they've been through and they need to feel like that you're trusted and kind of human rather than just the yacht worker who's going to breach them and send them to court this whole all the oh, I love it all these videos are to show that there's no one answer of how to help these young people I'm, I'm getting bits of information from everywhere I'm asking people what would you do and what you've just said there if every yacht worker I'm not saying they do or don't but if every yacht worker thought that way we'd see a lot more restorative rather than punitive support for these young people and I think that is the key of, of what you're saying yeah definitely like we don't need to be punitive like you know especially when when you really peel it back these kids have been through some shit yeah they like are. so yeah, it's like are. i've caught like you know if everyone knew that all the shit they'd been through would they be more understanding and we're in a privileged position because we do know some probably not even all of, of the stuff they've been through so let's work in a trauma-informed way and try and like take that into account when we're working with these kids
I love it. I love it. The things you're saying, and I, and I know your practice, and obviously I, I see what you do. Everything you're saying is what I need for people to listen to. They're not just criminals. Yes, there is a crime there, but there's also usually trauma there as well. And that's what we need to look at, really. Okay. Yeah, I ask everyone the same um, question towards the end, but let's see where you go with this, okay? Have you learned anything about yourself during lockdown or have you learned anything about others? I think that it's for me it's more about the importance of like connection you okay. know like, and I think that I say so me personally I haven't seen my family since Christmas and that's a really long time because obviously my family live in Manchester and I live in London yeah and you know obviously I don't see them on a regular basis anyway due to that but it's really made me think about how important that connection is that we have with each other as a family and how much I appreciate that and look forward to that, whether it's just having a chat with my mum or seeing, seeing my brother, you know, like I really miss that face-to-face -face connection. Like there's only so much like virtual, yeah. you know, it's, it, it doesn't, it's not the same as, as actually being, being able to, to hug someone. No, and I think that that's also kind of echoed in, in, in the work. Like, yeah, we can have, you know, WhatsApp video calls and Microsoft Teams and everything. But it, you just it's just not quite the same because you just don't get that connection which you do when you're physically with someone. You know, whether it's that you can't see what they're doing with their hands, you know, like, you know, like a lot of people when they're uncomfortable, they might mess with something or, you yeah. know, they're clapping or whatever that kind of thing is lost in a virtual world like you can't really read the body language the same and that's really important for these kids who sometimes can really struggle to express express themselves and express how they're feeling a lot of what we do is is looking for those external signs as well you know we're looking to see if they look happy if they look high if they look like you know yeah. if they've just been fighting outside if like they look like they're upset for some reason whereas on the phone you can't you can't see that and I think that a lot of kids can be pretty self-conscious as well they don't want to be on the video call to you no like you know it's just a bit weird isn't it at the end of the day so I think that when even for us as staff and for the kids I think that even though some kids obviously don't like coming to yacht, no. <laughs> I think that it's a lot better seeing someone face to face and the importance of what you can really get from that. I think that will have a big impact on your practice. I mean, you're already amazing. There's no way around that. But I think that that you've learned that will probably um, definitely spill over into your practice. And I think that you're going to teach the young people the importance of the connections. And that's a lot of young people end up being exploited because of the lack of them connections in the first place. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, when we think about exploitation, like it's just so, it's just a massive area, isn't it? And I think it's not an area which a lot of people truly understand. No. And I think that even down to, even though I do think it's got better, but yeah. you really need like good, you need good police officers for one. So when kids are being stopped, um, either, on the train or they you know they're stopped in cars with older people or they're found in hotels and things like that that it's not the, the automatic instinct to be like oh yeah they're just drug dealing or yeah they're just meeting older men and like literally let's just take them to the police station charge them and off we go it's about 
good police recognizing those signs and like them the police themselves putting exploitation referrals in yes because it's like yeah obviously it's out in my job like that's something that we do all the time yeah but if that if that's done much earlier because sometimes things don't don't end up coming to you because they get you know no further action or they get discontinued at court so if that intervention is there right at the beginning from police stages you know who knows what what could be prevented it's like the it's the it's the awareness of the general public like i know we've spoken about this before but you know if you're on a train and you even just as a like an ordinary member of the public you're thinking like that kid's a bit young to be on the train on their own or that kid looks like they've not had a wash for a while like it's like is the natural instinct just to ignore that whereas no is the people we can speak to on the train to just alert them yeah you know like it's such a wider wider piece of work around exploitation but yeah I think we've I think there's definitely progress been made but there's still like a hell of a lot of work to do there is but knowing that there's people out out there like you within your supporting these young people makes me feel a lot better about knowing that these young people are going through the system to be fair yeah yeah that's why you're here <laughs> thank you how did it feel to be the one being interviewed it's certainly different you know like I know I said this to you but like when we interview people for a bird obviously like I don't get nervous but people often say like oh I'm nervous I feel nervous and I'm like why why are you nervous it's just a chat but before this I was thinking like oh god I feel nervous I feel like, yes. I'm like a dog interview um yeah so hopefully it's it's come out okay it has come out well I'm not editing anything out of it so that's that okay now you need to say goodbye to everyone say goodbye Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>